100 Words or Less, the podcast is part of the Punk News Podcast Network. You can visit punknews.org for all of the latest news in punk, hardcore, metal, whatever you'd like to call it. Go there. Check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and we are on episode number 11 right now. And uh, my guest this week is Matt Fox, the guitarist from the band Shai Halud. Known the dude forever, and it was awesome to sit down and hang out with him outside the context of a show and, uh, yeah, kind of get to know him and know his, he probably would like this reference, his origin story, because he's a big comic book dude. Um, In any event, subscribe to the show, whether you listen to it via iTunes or a podcast catcher on your phone. Like I use one called Instacast, which uh, you're, I'm able to just download the shows directly to my phone. And that way I don't even have to plug them into a computer, which is awesome. So subscribe. That way you'll get all the new shows as they get published every Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I promise to continue to keep uploading them every week. So there you go. Um, and also follow us on Twitter at 100wordspodcast. Uh, usually I'll just talk about the upcoming guests that we have and that way you'll you'll kind of know what's what's coming up ahead of the curve before everybody else knows um and then we also have facebook so uh yeah you could follow us or like us or whatever people do on there i just don't use facebook that much um then also you can email us 100 words podcast at gmail.com a few people have been reaching out and uh i've really liked the feedback that people have given me um it's very insightful and you can tell that they actually you know listen to the shows and comment on you know what they would like to see here future guests all that type of stuff so um, i really like it and it's nice to be able to interact with people over that medium that you know i just have never met personally and we are able to develop a relationship from there so anyways um People have also asked about the music that's played at the beginning and the very end of the show. Um, It's from a band called Balance and Composure. They're on No Sleep Records. And uh, it was one of my favorite records of 2011. And it just provides a very suitable atmosphere leading into the show and leaving the show. So thank you to Chris Hansen for letting me play that music. And if you like it, you can find their stuff anywhere and everywhere and see them on tour and all that other good stuff. Um. I had the experience, I know I mentioned it in a previous show, where I was going to some of the Revelation Records Rev 25 shows where they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. Um, and the band Quicksand reunited and performed five songs, and which was fucking unbelievable. It was honestly one of the best things that I've seen in recent memory, um, where the band sounded incredible. They played great songs. Um, and they just looked like they were having fun up there, which was cool because, um, I had seen them a few times before. Um, and they look, they look like they were having fun back then, but this was just kind of a, a renewed vigor in a way. So word on the street is that they may do stuff in 2013, but whatever, it'll be one of those things where rumors fly until they actually do happen. So, but that's not what I wanted to talk about right now. I had two separate but equally interesting conversations with people that were at that show um outside of the show one person who i work with um and he was at the sunday night show in which quicksand played he personally was never a fan of quicksand but we had an interesting conversation about 
um, you know, kind of the idea of nostalgia and people, um, you know, hanging on where it's like you have, because these shows were bringing people that bringing people out to the show that, you know, might not have gone to a show within the past year or two years. Um, but because a lot of bands were reuniting and all kind of under one roof, um, there was going to be people that hadn't been as active in the scene, so to speak. Um, and so it's interesting because there are people that have been involved for a long time that, you know, for whatever reasons, aren't able to, you know, go to as many shows as they'd like because, you know, they've got kids or, you know, their job is killing them or whatever the case may be. T time is not on their side from that perspective. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because on one hand, I obviously completely empathize and understand where people like that come from. Um, because, you know, I, myself, like my time is dwindling because, or my time is more, uh, valuable because, you know, I have a kid. So it's like, I want to spend a ton of time with him for obvious reasons. Um, married, got a lot of other things going on. So like when I do go to a show, um, you know, I feel like it's more of an event as opposed to something, you know, when I was 17, 18 years old, where it's like, that's just kind of what I did, you know, four nights a week. Um, so I definitely have more selective about what I, what I spend my time with. Um, but I feel like because of that, uh, you know, or b not, not just because of that, but because I've been trying to stay active in other ways, such as doing this podcast or, you know, doing that sound and fury festival with my good friend, Joey. Um, these are ways that I feel still connected to independent music and obviously gives me the ability to, um, you know, continue to care about it. Um, and still discover new music and, you know, be excited about it as opposed to, you know, people that become farther removed from independent music, um, either by choice or just by life getting in the way. Um, and then obviously they become, you know, jaded. They don't care about stuff anymore. All of the older bands are great. The newer bands suck. And so um, you see a lot of that, obviously, in that movie, American Hardcore. Um, but anyways, and then on the flip side, like kind of the polar opposite of the conversation I had with uh, my friend at work um, is another longtime friend, and he's actually my tattoo artist, um, where we just talked about how amazing it is that we've been let in on this as far as independent music is concerned, where because, you know, we were running into people both him and myself at those shows where it's like, you know, we hadn't either seen in years or, you know, it's just kind of a bunch of good people under one roof. And we've been incredibly fortunate, both him and myself, where we've kind of been able to make livings off of our passion, which that always isn't the case for a lot of people. You know, they have to make compromises um, for whatever reasons to, you know, either do a job they don't want to or, you know, not be able to pursue a band or whatever it is that kind of gets in the way. Um, and it's totally understandable because these things, like I said before, they totally happen. Life gets in the way. Um, but yeah, it, it, him and I were just having a very reflective conversation on how amazing it's been that we've been able to kind of navigate these waters and still kind of do the same stuff that we've been doing ever since we were 15 years old, but somehow make a living off of it now. Um, in any event, so yeah, both of these conversations I had just really kind of rattled around in my head, and um, it was just really interesting to kind of all temper that against a show and kind of have so many different emotions going into an evening like that. Um, but it's just cool because I think regardless of what side you end up on, whether you you know do go to one show a year and you hate all the new bands, or whether you are still incredibly involved as you get older, 
it doesn't really matter. The fact that you do have that experience, um, you know, people that go to a movie on a Saturday night, you do have an experience and it can be intense. It can be emotional. Um, but in the way that it resonates with you for the rest of your life, as far as this independent culture is concerned, um, you know, I guess you can make the argument where obviously art in general can impact you in so many ways and obviously give you so many things that you never thought you would ever be able to have from, you know, just a, a living perspective. Um, but yeah, you know, I do feel like even though the mainstream music scene has obviously peaked its head in and independent music is as big as it ever has been, you know, with things like the Warp Tour and everything else and Hot Topic, um, it still is a very special thing. And um, I was just, I was just really, you know, glad to obviously be a part of those shows and see some great bands play. Um, and then, yeah, above all, just have friends that are really talented around you and being able to pursue their passions um, because yeah, like it's, it's a difficult thing to do. So, um, yeah, it was just a very, uh, it was fun and I enjoyed that experience and I enjoyed both those conversations equally. Um, so yeah, you think about it, see how you feel about nostalgia and whether or not, you know, as you grow older with independent music, like where it sits in your life, because ultimately you should just get enjoyment out of whatever music it is that you're listening to independent or not. So anyways, so I'm sitting down with uh, Matt Fox from Shai Halud. Um, he, I've known him for years. Um, Shai Halud is one of those bands where they've been so uh, obviously persistent throughout all of the changes that they've gone through member-wise and different vocalists. And, you know, th this band should have given up a long time ago from the hardship perspective. But Matt Fox just continually, you know, puts his head down and, moves forward and obviously still shares his artistic vision with the rest of the world. And, um, you know, I think we're all lucky for that because, um, yeah, it definitely takes a certain type of uh, person to continue to do that. And so because of all that, obviously I felt like it would be very enlightening to have a conversation with him about, you know, why he still does this and, you know, what, what is there to be excited about moving on or, you know, moving forward. Um, so yeah. You'll join us in a conversation where I'm uh, just kind of talking about how I'm going to do this intro for him <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of uh, thanking him for sitting down with us in general. So here you go. Yeah, I'll do my own intro for you and stuff yeah. like that. So we'll, uh... I'm here with this idiot. Yeah, exactly. I'm here with, with this guy. Some of you may know from some terrible band. That's, a lot of people would agree. That's your own. Oh, wow. Is, is that a text message sound? Uh, yeah, Star Trek. Oh, nice. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is a familiar noise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for wanting to obviously do this and hang My out. Pleasure, I, I appreciate it. Um, the Usually I feel like I like to start things off where, well, first of all, it's really fun for me to do these shows just because like there are very rare occasions where you can sit down with a person for like an hour 45 minutes or whatever and yeah. just like talk sure and even yeah. though we've known each other for years yeah. and we've existed in the same world yeah we just you know there's very rare times unless you're like deliberately be like all right we're gonna have coffee for this time but yeah, obviously sure. since you live on the opposite coast as me that doesn't happen unless we run into each other's show or whatever exactly um but 
And so because of that, like, you know, you know a lot about people, but then you know nothing about them at the same time. So like, like, where were you like, did you always live in like upstate New York? And like, were you born and raised there? Like, what's the, what's Uh, what's the background of you in regards to that? The background of me, uh, I was born in, in Long Island. I, I believe you you were told. I was told. I have no evidence of this. No, uh, sure. No, I'm, I was born in Smithtown, and I lived in Little Neck, which is, I guess, at the edge of Long Island. Okay. And then um, uh, my mom moved. She was divorced, and her mm-hmm. parents got sick. And it was just her and I. So she, my, her parents moved to Florida, um, and I went obviously with them at five years old. So I grew up in South Florida. Okay. Um, but in 2000, I uh, went back to New York. But right. not Long Island, Poughkeepsie, which is you know, sure, sure, so much different than right. <laughs> it's a whole different beast from Long Island. It, it's so far from what I can, what, what I think most people consider to be New York. Yeah, but well, I, I, I grew up in in uh, in South Florida. Yeah, your formative years were the, the yeah. South Florida. The reason it's funny because you know New York has such a a stronghold, always has on on hardcore. Yep. But I credit. Everything that I'm into, whether it was from Florida or, or from Europe or from New York, from living in South Florida, my friends, the music that was around me, the record stores, I'm, I'm pretty certain that everything that I got into is because of who I was, who I was with, where I was, and what was around me at the time in South Florida, which is why South Florida means so much to me. Right. And what city in particular were you in South Florida? Uh, Pompano Beach. Unincorporated Pompano Beach, Florida. What does that mean, unincorporated? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. You're like, but I know it's unincorporated. But I know it's unincorporated. It was on all our mail. Pompano Beach, uh, in parentheses, unincorporated. That's weird. Pompano Beach, I guess, has one claim to fame, which was... uh, I think in that movie, I think it's called Something About Mary. Okay. Uh, I never even saw it, but Chris Elliott apparently throughout the whole movie is lying, telling everybody that he's a rich, important guy from Miami. Uh-huh. And when he finally tells the truth, he breaks down. I'm not rich and I'm from Pompano. <laughs> and that was, that's like our claim. Every, all my friends in Pompano are like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. But that's like, yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, I've heard of the city, but I like, I couldn't tell you one cultural thing. That happened around it. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You mentioning that was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Moment. That that might be the biggest, <laughs> you know, be the the apex. biggest, yeah, the biggest impact that Pompano Beach has ever had. <laughs> but I, I love it. I'm proud of Pompano. I love, I love the area. It's still my favorite place in the world. Yeah. You like to go down there like on vacations or anything like that, and just <laughs> yeah, I don't get a chance to to do that too much. Sure. But um, yeah, I, I love being there. Right. I get excited just to see roads. Right. You know, Sample Road is the road I grew up on, and when uh-huh. I see Sample Road, sure, you know, it, it my skin moves. You know, there are things that churn inside me right. when I see Sample Road. That's that's very cool that you have such an attachment to that because a lot of people, especially I find in like the punk and hardcore scene, it's like wherever, especially if they're in a remote area or, yeah. I mean, Palmetto is not like remote, but yeah. you know, it could be considered rural by some stretch sure. of the imagination. Sure. And anybody that's brought up in those scenarios, you know, some, they just, they're like, I can't wait to get out. I yeah. can't wait to get out because you know, whatever, there's no, no one understands me here or whatever. But it's yeah. like, you know, you have such a emotional attachment. It's just nice to see that people are yeah, cool. Pride, yeah. prideful about, Hey, this, I had a really good time here. I, I love, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Is even at five years old, you know, I come from a long line of New Yorkers, uh-huh. and you know, New York snobbery is kind of imprinted in, right? in, in my DNA. So I remember at five years old, literally, I remember this being in Florida, saying, "You know, I hate these assholes." Like you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. seeing you know just 
kids and sure. people and they, like I hate all this. You know, just the way like Woody Allen feels about New York or anywhere else in the world. Like you know, New York is it. Right. So I have that in me. But I guess the sun baked it out because now I would as much as I love New York City, I, I there's no way I could live there. Right. I, I am Pompano through and through. Yeah. You know, I I don't understand street parking. I like parking lot. You know what I mean? Sure. Like everything about Pompano, the, the way it's gridded uh, geographically, I could find. I have a terrible sense of direction. I could find my way around. Right. In South Florida, so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't need to make this a South Florida. No, no, test. dude, it's fine. I, I yeah, I love the place, and it, it's always. I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna end up there. Aside from the fact that I'm from New York and Jewish, so that also in my DNA means that I have to end up in Florida. <laughs> you have to be a snowbird at some yeah, point. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I will. I, you know, even again, if it was against my will, I, I will end up in South Florida. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so as you're, see, you, you, like you said, you went down there because your uh, your grandparents were sick? My my grandfather got sick and uh-huh. my mother was, I believe, recently divorced. So sure. they were leaving her uh-huh. and she said, you know, what do I have here? Sure. So then she moved down with them. With the, because uh, I, I, my parents, like I was, my parents were divorced around like four or five as well. Like did that... How did that affect you? Like, you know, did you like, do you still have touch with your father? Like, is it, was he? Not, not too much. Yeah. I mean, we talked here and there. He got, I met my dad really for the first time when I was 18. Okay. I spent a week with him and then uh, didn't hear from him. At 23, he contacted me and we kind of became in each other's lives for about maybe two, three years. Uh-huh. And then it's been sporadic. Just kind of popped in and out. Sporadic phone calls. Yeah. Ever since. But, um, I don't know. How, how did it affect me? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because sorry, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, pr- as I speak, you got to process that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's interesting because growing up, I never it never bothered me at all. Right, and I am admittedly, and anyone who knows me, I think will will agree, I'm much more feminine in nature than I am masculine. Sure, uh, everything about me, you know, when when I get into an argument with a friend, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, you really handle this like a woman, yeah. which to me is a huge compliment. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, not that I have no respect for men, right? but you know, my gender of choice and that has nothing outside of all sexual preference. Of course. My gender of choice, as far as friendships and what I believe to be common sense and rationality, it's stronger in women. That's amazing. I, yeah. I have the same, I'm an only child yeah. and I was raised like by my mother mostly, even yeah. though my stepfather was an important part of my life, but I have the same way. My, all, all of my closer friends have been females and I have such a more, uh, uh yeah, just, I guess a deeper connection. I totally yeah. agree with you on that. That That's, that's how I've always been. So growing up or when, you know, when I got old enough to kind of understand sure. any of that, uh, you know, I said, yeah, growing up without, people talk about growing up without a dad all the time and they're all upset about it. I'm fine. Right. But within the past couple years, I think I've realized, you know, and I'm not certainly not a, you know, what are they, the family values type of guy. Sure, sure. You know, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that there's any proper structure for anybody. Right. It's different for everybody. Right, right. But I, I will say that I'm so feminine in so many ways that um, having grown up with a father Mm -hmm. may have done some good. Sure. Uh, in, in regards to, you know, and this is, again, not to say that I was going to use the uh, example of discipline. 
Yeah. But that's not to say that discipline is exclusively a male of trait. Of course. No, no, for sure. But, you know. But you're just, I mean, you're, you're, you're setting this up in archetypes. Like, this sure. is, typically speaking, the father is more of the, you know, hard-ass disciplinary, whatever. I get what you're saying. Sure. So I'm just thinking, you know, in regards to my personality and how all over the place, I have no, I have no structure. Right. You know, in fact, uh, my life, I think, if it suffers from anything, the fact that I have no money, the fact that. All the things that are, are kind of always on shaky ground for me comes from the fact that I have no structure. Sure. That's me. And it's, in, in and, it's and it's so funny that you say that because it's like so many people, like you look at the music that you create, especially in particular with Shia Lude, and it's like that people, that could be a review of your records. <laughs> I mean, just like musically, because it's like it. A lot of people say that, you know, it's like it, they're, it's very scattered in the sense of like you do create song structure, but it's yeah. like you are moving at a very rapid pace through that. It's just funny the parallel. See, there it is. <laughs> is. You just, we just, we just, we need therapy. We just figured it all out. <laughs> That's perfect. But, but, but it's true. So the lack of a, a male influence in mm. growing up, does it bother me? No, I'm yeah. totally, totally fine with it. But in retrospect, now as, you know, an adult, I see that if I did grow up with a father figure, where certain things may have been different and I could have benefited from that. Sure, sure. Again, once again, as I always repeat myself, that that said, I certainly have no qualms with Right. You're like, I don't want to redo this for this, but you're yeah. like, oh, I could have seen it. But I, I see right. I do see the importance of it. Of course, uh, right. And, and again, not for everybody. And, you know, I'm not on drugs. I'm stable. Yeah. You know, I like to think that I can think and, and <laughs> live normally. Right. So, you know, my upbringing didn't affect me uh, terribly negatively. It's funny though. Just a side note that really has nothing to do with anything. I was with my girlfriend a few years ago, uh-huh. and uh, you know she would always say to me, "With everything, oh, here's a. I don't even know if I should admit this, but the, one of the first times that we were laying down, uh-huh. you know, I curled right up next to her. She says, "Oh my God, you're like a little girl." Right, right. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? Because right. it didn't even dawn on me. Well, yeah. And she says, no, you're the man. You're supposed to look you're like s- this. I'm supposed to come to you. Right. And I, yeah, I'm the little spoon. You're the big spoon. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. So, you know, and, and she did that. I said, yeah, this is nice, but I, sometimes I like this too. Yeah. You know, and it didn't dawn on me. So it's funny. We dated for a few years uh-huh. and she lived in Europe. So she came to visit me uh, and I lived in New York at the time, but we said, let's get away from everything and go to Florida and just do fun stuff. Sure. So we went to Florida. We went to go see my grandma. So my grandmother, before she died, uh-huh. it was my grandmother, my mother, my aunt Shirley, I believe my aunt Florence, uh, my aunt Iva. Holy moly. You know, so we're, they're all there. Yeah. And, you know, she got to witness, because, you know, she would always say, yeah, you, you know, you're so feminine. And she used to call me uh, her little poof, which was fine. You know, yeah, yeah, I, you're like, I, I'm fine with that. That's right. great. Uh, but you know, the, these five women are all in the room, Matt, did you want something to eat? He's not hungry. He just ate. Let him eat if he wants to eat. You know, so this, and I'm sitting in the midst of this <laughs> with my girlfriend who's always commenting on right. how I am. And I look at her and say, now right. you understand. Right. This, I am the product this, of my environment. This right. is how I grew up. This <laughs> is what I am. Yeah. If you didn't, you know. Totally, totally. Well, so that, that, that's amazing. That's, that's, I mean, yeah. And I think, I think that environment also, like you said, you know, it really, hammers the point home of you having, you know, respect for females and kind of, you're, you're maybe more empathetic to the quote unquote plight <laughs> in, sure. in a way. You know? Yeah. I, I, I've always, um, 
my, my, the, the bet, and that's not, I'm having a great conversation with you, and that's not to say that I haven't had great conversations or great friendships with men. Right, right, right. Probably the, the deepest and, uh, the deepest understanding and the deepest communication I've ever had with a human being is probably with females. Right, right, right. And that's, and that's Dude, yeah, you're, you're a product of your environment. Like, you said, I mean, you have that many ants down there, and it's like you're constantly surrounded by that, yeah. and it's like that, you, that, that's normal, and I yeah, think that's was, what. That's that, what happens. That was and is me, for, so, better, for better or for worse. Right, right. So as you as you journeyed through the southern Florida, there were swamps down there, right? Not, uh, not in Pompano? Not in Pompano. Okay. Yeah, they're definitely, right. I think, north of us. Right, okay. Um, so when did, uh, when did you first get introduced to uh, music? Like, when did that become a part of your life? And then kind of when did the transition into like i guess more independent music and sort of the, you know, the hardcore punk world come to your purview sure let's see how did it happen um i think i think you know mm. who knows for sure right but i think i've always been inclined towards heavier angrier music okay and this is a story that i've, I've told uh, a couple times and i really do love telling yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um the first memory i have of of any type of music uh was before i even heard music it was just seeing images of Kiss. You know, wow, those guys look cool. Was that like was that like on television, or was your mother into? Yeah, probably just, television. Yeah. I don't even. I don't. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. my mother was not in. She listened to ABBA, okay. Paul Simon, and Billy Joel, and I. Which loved, are good, right, yeah, right, right. Now I love ABBA. I'm still not too familiar with, though. I I did write Dancing Queen, not knowing that they wrote it first. We'll get into that later. If you, if you, I'm sounds not incredible. lying. Sounds incredible. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I do love Paul Simon and Billy Joel, and actually stole quite a few of their lyrics for Shadowloo songs. Okay, which yeah, you know, artistic, some, artistic credit where artistic credit is due. Yeah, yeah, definitely stole from those guys. But uh, yeah, how I knew about Kiss, I don't know. But you know, spitting blood, fire, makeup. This guy's from outer space. Cool. Right. You know, I'm five years old or what have you, and I loved it. But I didn't. Need, I didn't know anything about the music other than the fact that they played it. Just the imagery of it was yeah. so strong, right? So I remember being in, in kindergarten. And uh, there were bricks or blocks that we were playing with. And uh, I remember picking up a long one uh, and giving one of the long ones to my friend and taking another one. I said, okay, you be Paul Stanley, I'll be Gene Simmons. And that was, yeah. know, uh, that was me playing make-believe. And the, one of the first memories I have of doing that was wow. acting out as kids. Sure. So, and that's before I knew the music. But that just, at least in my mind, shows that I've always was interested in rock and roll. Right. And also... Uh, you know, things that were a little more theatrical. Sure. Which it also makes sense because I was, you know, when I was in college for a brief time, theater was, was my was What major. you were pursuing. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, um, but yeah, seeing, hearing about Kiss was my first thing. And then uh, I think the first, I always liked music, whatever would, ever, whatever would be on the radio, you know, at, at like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old. And uh, I got into Men at Work. It was probably my first favorite band okay. from Australia. Mm -hmm. It's funny because when I go to Australia now, you know, I think people, when they go there, they always make jokes about some of the Australian things that they like. But no joke, for real, right. Men at Work still to this day are one of my all-time You're like, fans. this is not ironic. I like Men at Work. Exactly. Yep. Anytime I go there, you, that using the word ironic is, is exactly what I was you know, trying to get across. Sure. Going there. I always tell people, no, no, I, I mean, right. if there's a place I can get Men at Work stuff, I'm not kidding. I'm yeah. not trying to be funny. Right. I love Men at Work. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably the, the first band, not very heavy at all. Sure. That was probably the first band that I was really passionate about. The first cassette I bought, mm -hmm. which is started where it started getting 
heavier. Right. It was um, either Frontiers or Escape by Journey. Okay. So now we've got like a heavy guitar sound. Ooh, I like this. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? And then from there it was... And you were always interested, like the guitar work was what kind of really hand... Like that was the most uh, upfront to you with all the I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure if it was the guitar work necessarily. I don't think at that age that I was old enough to understand Process that. It, sure. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I ever recognized that there were layers in music, and I, I haven't thought about this in years. Yeah. You know the Big Brother Foundation? Uh-uh. No. You know what that is? No. Like kids without... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, had a, I had a big brother at one oh, point. Oh, okay. And uh, we were listening to music. He liked music a lot. He turned out to be a real weirdo. Right. That's not even worth getting into. <laughs> sure. But we, we, we were both listening to that song. I don't even know if you know it. Uh-huh. I think it's called I Dro- You Dropped the Bomb on Me. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think the first time I ever realized that there were layers in music was that song. Right. Know, long before I heard Queen or anything, mm-hmm. you know, that's truly layered. Right. But I remember hearing and I saying to this guy, oh, I like how the one, this is happening here. And then I hear this in the background. And so maybe that made some sort of impression. But that was the first time I understood anything about mm-hmm. any type of layering right. in music. How, how, yeah, how, how a record can potentially be created. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. Or that there was a creation process to it. Right. You know, to get to the end result. Yeah. Which is interesting. So, but you know, I, I don't even know who wrote that song and right. that song is certainly not important in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Regarding that was the experience with yeah. the layers. Yeah. Yeah. So without talking too much, um, then it was mainstream rock mm-hmm. that I heard, uh, you know, and at that point mainstream heavy rock. Sure. So from journey to quiet, riot and twisted sister, and then I knew, okay, so this is heavy metal. Right. And then from there, it went into, like I was telling you earlier, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin. Right. Um, later, Black Sabbath. Honestly, the, the Black Sabbath, my favorite Black Sabbath album is the first one I heard, which was with Dio, uh-huh. Heaven and Hell. Okay, yeah. So, and it progressively got heavier from there. But the, the I think the first two bands that I really, outside of Men at Work, that I was really passionate about that were in any type of counterculture mm-hmm. would be Twisted Sister and Choir Riot. Yeah. Those were the two big ones. And then there were ancillary bands. Of course. You know, you had your Rats and your Wasp, who a Wasp I love still to this day, Rat, not so much. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, and, and, and that's, that was all before I was in second grade. And another, that's, that yeah. is, that is so accelerated. Yeah. And it, it, it really interesting. Uh, Men at Work happened in se- second grade. I shouldn't say before. Men at Work happened when I was in second grade. That right. I remember for a fact. And then shortly after that, or around that time, is when all of these other bands. Yeah, yeah. that's just crazy. Started. I mean, it's just funny because it's like, like you said. I mean, even though music was an important part of your life, because like I just I reference myself and like I look at when I started to care about music on a deeper level, and that wasn't until like sixth, seventh grade. It's like I liked music, but it was like you know. Paul Abdul and stuff that's like, I mean, which was like, I still reference that as important as far as my lineage of getting into music, but sure, sure. it's just like in second grade, like, uh, yeah, that's just, you were very advanced, Matt. No, <laughs> I don't know how advanced I am or was, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting regarding pop music. Mm-hmm. I don't know what year it was and I can't remember what album it was. It may have been off the wall, Michael, you know, Michael Jackson off the wall or sure. should have been Thriller, but around that time, I was visiting my friend in New York. I was, you know, at that point, living in Florida. Mm-hmm. So his mother took us to a record store, and she said, okay, you, we both love music. You could both go buy one album each. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, great. Yeah. So we're looking at the same records, 
you know, and then I, I don't know how it ended up happening, but we drifted away because mm-hmm. what he was looking at and what I was looking at, we just went our own separate ways. Right, right. And then we finally met up because we made our choices. And I remember standing, I wish that I could show this to anyone that might be <laughs> sure, listening. Sure. But I just remember us standing together uh-huh. and both feeling, both of us feeling perplexity right. because we couldn't understand why each other, other chose. Sure. We, so we're standing next to each other and he's holding, like I said, I'm not sure which it was. I, let's just say Thriller. He's okay. holding Michael Jackson Thriller, sure. a cassette in his hand and right next to it, I'm showing him and, you know, side by side and I've got Wasps, The Last Command. Which, yeah, they could not be from po- yeah. two polar opposite worlds. You know obviously. what I mean? And it's just so interesting because that was always my natural direction. Mm-hmm. As soon as I knew that there was something slightly heavier, slightly angrier, without even knowing what heavy or angry was. Right. You know, it's not like I'm, I was 11 years old and saying, ah, I want something heavy or angry. Right. I didn't know that. Right. I just knew, I don't, no disrespect to Michael Jackson, important, of very course. talented guy. Of course. But I did know at an early age that Thriller beat it. Billie Jean, great songs, great pop songs. I knew that they meant nothing to me. They meant nothing to me then. They still mean nothing to me now. Michael Jackson is an artist and a performer is, you know, second to none. And I do love Jackson 5, but pop music in general has never, ever appealed to me. And as soon as I knew that there was an alternative, Wasp, fuck yeah, (laughs) sign me up. Yeah, I will will go down this route. You can have your mainstream. And like, obviously, like you said, you weren't coming from a standpoint where you understood where it come from, where it came from. And that's what's so interesting that it was a natural, totally natural thing. Because you hear uh, all the time. Yeah. You know, how did you get into? How do you ever hear about youth today? Oh, my my older sister. Yeah. You know her. Uh, you know she listened to Minor Threat, and her right. boyfriend came over and gave me this. Yeah. For me, it was just here's what's on the radio. Oh, what's that guy spitting blood? Let me check that out. Right, right, right. You know, and so that was the path uh, that that got me into you know metal and hardcore. I don't know if you want me to specifically. Uh, list. Yeah, where did the, you? Well, no, yeah, where did you splinter off? Like your your love for you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, like you know, the the eighties glam metal, you know, power no, metal. That no, type. no glam, not, not no glam. Sorry, I I, ne- <laughs> there there's a very distinct distinction between the two. Yeah, I, I, I never, I never, I really never got into glam. I got into some glamier things before I Metallica. Let's just get to it. Metallica sure. changed my life. Okay, before Metallica, it was Twisted Sister. You know, which is obviously has a foot in the glam world. Right, right, right. Um, Twisted Sister, Motley Crue, and Wasp, favorite bands. Uh, and then after that was Motley Crue, who became my all-time favorite band. I love this. Mm-hmm. You know? And that also has a, a, a foot in, of course. in the glam world. And the Motley Crue albums that I love are just the first two. I love Too Fast for Love, and I love Shout the Devil, which okay. I think is their best moment. Sure. For a, for a metalhead. Yep. You know, um, you know if, if you liked... 80s glamier stuff and they have tons of they've got tons of more records out but that, you right, know, right. for me it was Too Fast for Love and, and Shout of the Devil but when I heard Master of Puppets in 1986 I simply did not know music could sound like that it was that's what I wanted that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear everything about it from the guitar <laughs> riffs to the melodies sure. to the aggressive vocals this is what what are they called and where can I find more of it <laughs> right and that's exactly what I did. So 86 was the turning point for me where, yeah. okay, this is called thrash metal. Yeah. I'm fucking in. Right. And that's, that was the, that's the crux of, of my musical love. Is, sure. And I don't know if it's because I, I'm, I've been around so long, but 
a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Fox knows a lot about music. I don't know a lot about music. Yeah. I know about 80s thrash. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's all I know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I like a lot of different stuff, but my knowledge, my, my true roots in <laughs> any type of underground music come from that. Sure, sure. Um, so Metallica is the band that changed my life. Right. And then really easily, without, again, talking too much, what T-shirts do they wear? You know, right. They, they wore... Uh, Misfits, Misfits shirts. shirts, right? So I checked out Misfits. You know, yeah, one of my all-time favorites. Earth AD still in my top five, if not my third favorite hardcore punk album of all time. Right. You know, and then from there, they, you know, I get into Slayer, and the guy's got a Dead Kennedy sticker. Right. Who's that? You know, and that the layers just peeled away. You know, from there. yeah, and, yeah. And, and they all talked about exploited and discharge. So you know, and then logically, why? Yeah, logically, why would you not check that? Yeah. Out? So right. I got into all that stuff, and and to this day, when somebody. You know, I, I, I like I like softer stuff. Like I said, I like sure. Paul Simon. I like a bunch of stuff. But when somebody tries to play me with maybe singer songwriter stuff, right. not that I think it's bad, but I'm not interested. And they say, "How do you know you like good music? How how are you not into this?" And my 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 response is, "I like punk, punk rock, heavy metal, and hardcore." Right. That's like what that, I listen to. That is what I identify with. Sure. You know, and that I love I, what little I know of jazz. I love right. the jazz that appeals to me. I love most classical music. I don't. I couldn't tell you the difference between Mozart, Beethoven, Bach. I, they, sure. Those guys. Those three names may very well be the same person for all I know. <laughs> right. 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 You know, I don't know. Sure. I, I, but I know that I love classical music when I hear it. Right. But when I go to put on music, it's punk rock, heavy metal, or hardcore. Right. Right. You know, as soon as I realize it from then until my death, I'm not going to be 60 years old. Oh, I used to be really into hardcore. Right. Oh, like, that, like, that's just in my bloodstream. It's, and that's, it's, you know, like I was saying, with Kiss and, and Wasp, that's been my general direction. Right. You know, if I'd never heard Metallica, maybe we'd be talking about Britney Fox and Rat. Right. You know, how important, the, you know what I mean? But sure. I heard Metallica, that put me on the path. That switch flipped, right. And... And so when did you when did you uh, when did you become inclined to obviously like pick up guitar and be like, this is what I w- I would like to create this style of music. And on top of that, when, what was your first band that you were able to put together? Uh, let's see here. I, I started out playing drums, which is cool. I, I it used to be a pretty uh, not I want to say good, right? But a competent, proficient, drummer. right? Yeah, I was I, I was competent. Right, we'll go that. Far. Okay. Okay. Uh, almost co- uh, accomplished. Sure. But, uh, you know, so I, I would play um, drums in lo- local hardcore bands. But before I started playing drums, I, I just always thought that I had the knack for it. Okay. Not, not that I – I should rephrase that. Not that I thought I had the knack, but I had an understanding of it. And I remember thinking, I'm pretty sure I can do Keep that. Keep time. Yeah, 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 You know what I mean? The same way that somebody sees a half pipe for the first time and says, I understand how to do that <laughs> right. and not hurt myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the first time I was ever around a drum set was in, I think, seventh grade. And, uh, you know, the, I was looking at it and the, the instructor said, oh, did you want to play? Or do you play? And I just went, uh-huh. You know, and I'd never, I'd never, right. never even sat behind a drum set before. Right. And what I'm about to tell may not be as accurate as I'd like to think it is. <laughs> sure. But this is how I recall it. Okay, okay. Okay? Or by how my brain is twisted sure. in it. The, the legend. Yeah. But I remember saying, you know, he gave me permission to go behind it, and I remember getting behind there and playing, like I said, as I recall it, fairly well, uh, a beat from Motley Crue's Theater of Pain. Okay. Uh, which is the album that got me out of Motley Crue. I was never really into it. Sure. Uh, but I remember getting back there and playing a beat mm-hmm. fairly 
fairly solidly, and the instructor even saying, "Oh, you know, yeah, you're pretty good." Good job, right, right. You know, and like I said, I looked at the drum set and I just thought to myself, "I understand that, right? You know, I know, I know, I can do that." Sure. Uh, so, how old were you when that happened? Was that probably? It was seventh, sixth or seventh grade. Okay, so, so yeah, whatever. 11, 12. 12, sure. Something like that. You know, I mean, there's that, I don't know if you ever saw on the on the internet, there's that little kid, Jonah, who's like three years old. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I'm not trying to say, like, look how cool I was. I played a Motley Crue beat at 11 years old. There's, right, right. You know, there are five-year-olds that are just fucking yeah, shredding. wailing. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So, but the point is... I definitely had an understanding and I knew I you could, could wrap do your it. head around it. Yeah. So, which was pretty cool. And you know, right. no Jonah, but it was really interesting that I thought there it is. I'm in. Sure. Um, and I played drums in, in a metal band. Uh, my, I guess the first band that I was in, we called ourselves evil alive. Oh, not, see, now that's great. This is what you're looking for, right? Okay. Yeah, not, not evil alive. One word, evil alive. And we, now we got that. Please tell me. Kiss Alive. Of course. We were, we were in the, my, my guitar player and I were in, in my bedroom trying to think of names. And I remember coming up with or saying to him, how about Fire Knife? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's a 13 year old mind. Right of course. There, you know, Fire Knife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he wasn't into it. I right. drew the logo, the logo and everything. <laughs> and then we were uh, right. Uh, we had Kiss Alive uh-huh. on vinyl um, right out. And it was... It was up. I was on. I, I was looking at it upside down. Mm-hmm. So I said, "How about Evilla?" And he says, ah, "I don't know." I said, "What about Evilla Live?" You know? Just, yeah. And we said, "The clouds parted." Yeah. And we said, "Hell yeah!" That's yeah. It. And we named our first band Evilla Live. Nice. Uh, everyone said, "Evil Alive." No, 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 no. no. Evilla Live. Like, let me correct you. You know? Right. Right. So. Uh, and then it was funny, you know, when Misfits came out with Live Evil, and you know, then you see that all the time. But right. at the time, we thought we were brilliant. Yeah, of course. Um, that band, we ended up changing our name to Unwillful Demise. We played a few shows. Uh-huh. If we had any claim to fame, which we don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. at all, uh, we played with um, a local South Florida band called Ambugalard, okay. whose guitar player is now uh, Twiggy Ramirez. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So. You know, there was, there's that connection. Yeah, there were, all, there were all those guys, all the you know, all those Manson guys were all in the, South Florida, Cold okay. Springs, Pompano. Sure. So you know, we all, all of us, anyone in the South Florida music scene has you know plenty of stories and interactions with all those guys. Yeah, yeah, because um, it's such a tight knit scene, obviously. Yeah. yeah, but that that was that was like my main metal band, and then from there on, it was just uh, local hardcore bands. I was in a band that actually opened for. Unbroken, Far Side, and Mean Season on their tour in like ninety something. Sure. We, we were called the uh, Fabulous Murray Chestos. Oh wow! Yeah, that was, sounds that almost sounds like a ska band. But yeah, obviously it wasn't. No, no, it, it was a yeah a hardcore punk band. Right. Um, and I have it on my computer in the other room if you want to hear it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. not when I listen back to it. Sure. I, I, you know, it sounds youthy and it sounds it's not. Great, right? But, uh, You're like, hey, I'm, I'm that's I'm I'm fine with doing that yeah. at that age. Totally fine. It, it's it's good. I'm I'm proud of uh, what we did. And then from there on, I, I I played. I was always playing guitar, or I'm sorry, drums in bands. I started out in Murray Chessos, and I think we had a few guitar players, uh-huh. and they weren't really writing such cool stuff, right? And how I ended up picking up a guitar and started writing music, I don't know. Just you know, you play drums, you pick this up. So I started playing guitar. And I never knew that I had, um, I, I don't want to, that, that 
I don't even like the way I started that. I should say, I didn't think that I would ever be a guy that would be writing music or sure. writing anything cool, remotely right. cool. Right. Uh, and in fact, I remember writing my first riff and my guitar playing, you know, saying, ah, we should probably change it. That's, I don't know about that. We should try and change it this way. And my bass player saying, everything you write is always the same. You always, it's got the same pattern. You start here, then you go low, then you go back there, <laughs> and you go high. Yeah. You know, so it's like I already had in my mind, okay, I suck. I can't, right. I can't play guitar. And I just kept doing it and doing it and writing and stuff. And I switched from drums to guitar because I was doing most of the writing, you know, for whether it was good or bad. But I didn't like anyone's stage presence. I said, you know, we're the hardcore band guys. Yeah. And I knew without really knowing anything about hardcore. Because I mean, what did I know? I knew Minor Threat, you know, and I couldn't go on YouTube and watch videos of, of Dead Kennedys. Sure. But what's, what's really cool is that I think I had a natural understanding of the energy of hardcore punk. And at that point, I hadn't gone to ever gone to a hardcore show. I'd uh -huh. only gone, you know, to see Slayer and Testament Metallica. Sure. So I wanted to take over on guitar because I knew what a hardcore guitar player should do. You know, and I would always tell our singers, you would just kind of stand there. I said, no, man, like, like listen to Fear. You know, and like, can you imagine the way he would, you know what I mean? I remember right. we were at practice and I grabbed the mic and started acting like a hardcore singer. Right. Now, again, this is what my memory tells me. <laughs> sure, sure. How I really looked. Right, right. It was probably completely ludicrous, but the idea was right. Right. You know, even at, and at this point I was probably 17 or 18. Sure. But, you know, I was trying to tell our singer for this hardcore band that we were trying to start was uh, actually with a, one of the, a few of the members of Strong Arm. We were called Planet X. Straight Edge Band that did cover Fears More Beer. True story. Uh, <laughs> I love these tidbits. These yeah. tidbits are incredible. Fears is, is, is still one of my all-time favorites. Uh, but anyway, I, I think I had an understanding without really having any understanding mm -hmm. of just the whole aura right. and energy of hardcore punk. Sure. So you had like the, the the music lived through you, and it was like uh, you weren't exposed to it, but it's like you're like I, this this has to be exerted physically. Like, yeah, yeah, I under, I understand. Well put. I understand exactly how this is supposed to be delivered. Right. Before I knew who Youth of Today or, right. or Chain of Strength was. At that point, you know, 18, 19 was uh, maybe even 17, 18, around that era. Right. Like right, late right. teens was Minor Threat, Circle Jerks, you know, wearing the t shirt. Big, yep. big one for me. It was mm -hmm. huge. In fact, everyone always talks about Black Flag. You know, it's, Black Flag's cool, but. Yeah, uh, but you're like Circle Jerks. Circle yeah, Jerks is my. Yeah, people people need to have like well they don't need to have their allegiances, but people definitely have a preference either one or the over the other just based on their exposure. Yeah, and, and, and circle jerks for me when I heard Black Flag, I heard you know slower, more ponderous, weird stuff. Sure, and you know then I heard uh, Group Sex by Circle Jerks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, fuck yeah! <laughs> right, 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 so, right. Bad Brains, Circle Jerks, Minor Threat, uh, Seven Seconds, MDC, uh -huh. Dead Kennedys. Those are the bands that I started getting into. Before sure. I knew about Revelation Records Hardcore, which was very active and very present at that time. Right. right. But I didn't even know about it yet. Right, right, you know? right. Because you hadn't been exposed to it. Yeah, sure. not yet. And the, um, <clears throat> so then like, because obviously during this time, like, you know, you were going to high school. And like, what was your, what was your experience as far as like, because I mean, you strike me like, and no insult in any way, shape or form. <laughs> but Lay I mean, on me. Yes. You, uh, you, you strike me as a person who was very like, you know, nerdy. Yeah, where it's like you got into stuff that whatever are you trying to say I don't know but like I mean you mentioned that you know you were into theater like yeah, was yeah. that did theater strike you in high school and like you know what what was your experience were you you know did you enjoy high school was it like 
you were picked on like the stereotypical high school. I don't know. I, I have pretty good memories of high school. That's good. Uh, I, I don't know that I was picked on. Like, yeah. know, I was never shoved in the lockers or anything. Sure, sure. You know, because I was always. Uh, I don't know, which is funny. It's so contrary to me now. Well, I won't get into it, but (laughs) I'm much different than I was as a teenager. As a teenager, I was really loud and rambunctious and, uh, you know, a lot funnier. Well, I I shouldn't say funny. More obnoxious or more willing to attempt to be funny. Sure, sure. Now, you know, I I enjoy sitting little quieter in the room without, you know, trying to say anything. Right, right, right. But, uh, so in high school, yeah, I don't remember getting picked on, but I might have been too oblivious oblivious to know that I was being picked on yeah. every day. Did you get into theater during that time, too? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I guess it was at the end of eighth grade, they give you those forms, pick your electives. Oh, you know, okay. And I knew that I wasn't interested in sports. I mean, look at me, you know, I, I, <laughs> still not. But right. even, back, even back then, my friends wanted to go out and ride bikes, and I said, don't split Uno. Right. You know, that was... <laughs> I'm serious. You're like, you're like, let me convince you otherwise. I think we need to stay indoors. Let, right, right. Let's play Uno. I always wanted to make, let's make funny tapes. Let's try to make funny tapes. Let's do something. Uh-huh. You know, so I think there was always, not saying that I am creative, but there was always that creative spark in me. Right, right, right. You know, so, um, but yeah, it was when I got the elective card in eighth grade or what have you, you know, I saw there was an opportunity for PE and things like that or theater. Right. Oh, Okay, yeah, that's that. cool. Sure. So I got into a theater class, and they were auditioning for a play. I said, oh, I could probably do that. That looks fun. I yeah. like that. You know, and and I'd already been in talent shows in middle school and high or in, in uh, elementary school. Uh-huh. And one, I, I sang "Shouted Out Loud" by Kiss. Amazing. You know, another, yeah. oh, another shit. Another one that uh, <laughs> another talent show I did. I made up my own Weird Al version of uh, "Rock of Ages" by Def Leppard, and the the version was called "I Lost My Shoes in Japan." That was uh, a. <laughs> That was my thing, but that's one thing I forgot. Def Leppard was a huge know, thing, for huge you. Uh, pyromanian. I don't know how I could have forgotten that. Sure, probably around the right after Journey, okay, before Twisted Sister, before Quiet Riot, was definitely that Def was Leppard. Trend. Okay, got it. Yeah, Def Leppard was a huge one. Can't believe I forgot that. Sure, but that that one album, Pyromania, got it. So, but yeah, and that's how when I got into so high you, yeah, you were you like you were used to performing. And yeah, like you were, somewhat. Or I knew I liked it. I know right. it was, I knew it was hammy and arrogant enough, you know, sure, to sure. like, or or just dumb enough to get on stage <laughs> and do shit in front of people that no one cared about. Right, and nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I am still the goofball that yeah. grabs the mic. Yeah, no, it's no all one right. cares. Right, uh, <laughs> you know. So yeah, in in high school, that was uh, what what I did, and I have pretty good memories of high school. I was the I was the you know really short. Long, loud mm-hmm. guy that was in all the plays with the Slayer, uh, Hellawaite's back patch. Yeah, you know, so it was a little bit of a character. Well, yeah, I would say, so, yeah, because typically you don't see those two, uh, quote unquote, character types put together. Sure, it's sure. like metalhead that's in theater. Yeah, yeah, like you understand the performance aspect, but the the theater aspect, you're just kind of like, oh, that's that's weird. Yeah, usually you'd be like, yo, you just play in bands, and that's like that's how you're getting your performance out. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and still to this day, I you know I obviously not as immersed in it as I'd like to be, but I love theater. I love Broadway musicals. You know, if you put sure. on my iPod on random, you know, you'll get you could get Brutal Truth, and then you can get Little Shop of Horrors or Fiddler on the Roof. Right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Sure, so, sure. Um, which is probably why I like Queen so much because it mixes both worlds. Totally. You know, completely theatrical. You know, rock, metal, and and theater. Right. Uh, and I love Queen. If sure. I had to pick a favorite rock band, it would probably be that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the high school was fun. I skipped a lot. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, I never smoked, drank, drank or did any drugs. And I hung out with all the metalheads. So I had that safe haven mm-hmm. and I was in theater. So I was kind of loved by, 
the intellectuals of the school, sure, teachers sure. and students alike, because he's always in theater. But then they liked me when I was on stage. And then after that, I, you know, had my pants down, middle finger in the air, screaming, you know, yeah, yeah, brain yeah. and blood. Sure. So it was like... You, yeah, you had your foot in both worlds where it was like... That, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to have that, that experience where it's like you have two different communities that would typically not intersect, but you were the kind of the glue that... Yeah, and, and definitely not to the extreme because, like I said, it right. wasn't just that I was in the theater program and, yeah, I, I like heavy metal. Right. It was, you know, I was your obnoxious teenage metalhead. Like I said, pants down, fing- one finger and nose... Other finger, middle finger in the air, yeah. screaming a Metallica song at the top of my lungs. And then, you know, uh, two days later, I'm doing a somewhat mature play, <laughs> right. you know, at night. I don't know how good I was, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, that's where my You were doing lie. both of those things. But yeah, high school was fun. I didn't study. I didn't learn a sure. damn thing. You're like, I just, I, I existed and it was a good place where you could meet other people. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I liked high school. <laughs> the, um, and so then, obviously, like, Shai Lude became, you know, your more part of your life when it was, uh, I mean, like when did, what was the year that Shiloh actually formed that you said that that kind of, uh, we're having so much fun talking about things outside of the loop. No, no, no. I'm and and we, I know we, we, Shiloh will not be the central focus of this interview. There was, <laughs> I know exactly. Cause we don't, if anybody wants to read about Shiloh, there are many other places that they could read about it, but that's, that's why I like to get the story behind the story. Oh, cool. Man. Yes. But you know, it, it just to tell you when it started, it started in 90, I think it started in 95. I was 23 years old. I was playing, I was playing guitar, like I said, in, in hardcore punk bands. Right. And then I went to, I went back to drums because my friend Scott Punk Band needed a drummer. Uh-huh. So I ended up playing in a Scott Punk did you ever, band. Did you ever tour during those like formative band years? Like, you know, yeah. all those, yeah. It was no. just all local gigs yeah. and yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing that we ever did, I think uh, Murray Chesto's drove to Orlando, mm-hmm. which I thought was the hugest deal. Oh, it's huge. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's so funny. The things you just don't know. Yep. You know what I mean? Totally. When, when I meet a kid now and he asks me, you know, how do you go on a tour? You make a phone? You just <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Email a few people. Yeah, right, you know what right, I mean? right. But back then, you just don't know. No, yeah. no. Because your world is so small, but then it, it expands incrementally from there. And then yeah. you're like, oh, I can do this next step. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, you know, I had no idea. So we played a show in, in Orlando and then my ska punk band, we did a ska festival with Less Than Jake before they were just about to get signed to a major label. Mm-hmm. They, I think they only had out, yeah, they only had out their first seven inch okay. smoke spot. Got it. And Bingo Mutt, my Scott Punk band at the time, shouldn't say mine, it was theirs, and I joined it and played drums for Okay. Uh, we, we went to Gainesville to play a show. Got and it. that was probably nice. the extent of my, you know, touring, touring, experience. touring experience. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah then Bingo sure. started in 1995. Okay, got uh, it, I was got 23, it. and uh, Bingo Mutt just came to an end. I'm like, all right, well, you know, let's, let's start a hardcore band. Yeah, and you were, and this time as well, like, like you mentioned that you obviously did college for a little bit, but I presume at this time you were also kind of like working odd jobs and stuff like that. Like, did you, yeah, you, were you, were you like career-minded where you're like... Never. Okay, you're like... Never. So you basically just wanted to kind of be creative and be able to be creative without having a lot of constraints put on you? Like that's, I, in a nutshell. Okay. That's, All right. You know, then and now it's the same thing. When, uh, I remember even in high school when, uh, our drama teacher was talking to everybody about what colleges is everyone thinking about? What's everyone going to do? I just remember thinking, not that, man, I just want to play metal. I didn't even think that. I just right. remember thinking, I don't want to go to college. Right. Right. That's right. just not me. like, this isn't my goal. I yeah. don't want to do that. And I'll be, I mean, I presume, was your, was your mom, 
disappointed in that? Was she like, you need to go to college, man? No, no, not really. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a whole another thing. My, sure. you know, my, my mother had her own issues. Uh-huh. She was lonely and, you know, gaining weight, a single parent. So she and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Got it. And, got it. Okay. You know, there was a, a lot of tension between us. And then when I finally heard heavy metal, I rebelled against her because I didn't like the way she was treating me. Of course. So now I can, you know, use the power of King Diamond to... <laughs> right, right, right. You know, right. to give her the middle to give, to give you the guts to which, make which, that step. Which, yeah. And that's what I did because it was a school night. First time I went and saw King Diamond. Uh-huh. Um, only... No, I've seen it a few times. But uh, the first time I saw King Diamond, my friend is outside on a Tuesday night saying, you know, hey, I got our tickets. You ready to go? Yeah. And I said, hey, mom, I'm going to see a show. She's not tonight. You're not. It's a school night. It's right. Tuesday night. Yeah. And I look outside and my friend gives me the, you know, are we going? Right. And I look at my mom and she's saying I can't go. And I just said, fuck off, mom. Gave her the middle finger and I went out. True story. Not me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was the day that I realized, though, you know, especially without having a dad. Right. I'm fine. I can do whatever the hell I want here. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, this is interesting now. But the funny thing is though, by nature, I, you know, nerdy, goody two shoes, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a troublemaker. Right. You know, by nature, I've never really gotten in trouble outside of small little things. Right. You know, I've never... Mis- you would call it mischief. Yeah. yeah right, and, right. and hardly. Yeah. Really. You know, I, you ready for this? Just to go back to Kiss. One time when I was like eight, I, I carved Kiss on my friend's father's new truck with a rock. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. I got in trouble for that one. I would say that's more than mischief. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, I never got into trouble. So when I, when I even told my mother, you know, fuck off. And now I realized I'm free. Right. The extent of it was skipping school, um, staying out late to practice with, you know, hardcore and, and heavy sure. metal bands and just basically not listening to my mother. Right. But I never smoked in my life. You know, I, I've, Drank alcohol probably less than twelve ounces, you know, cumulatively <laughs> yeah, my cumulatively, whole life. Right, right. My whole life, never been drunk. You know, all types of smoking has never appealed to me. So no drugs. Sure. So even me at my most rebellious, yeah, is pretty fucking. Tame. It's pretty tame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, right. just a little, a little shit ball. It's really, you know, not not a, not a, the kind of kid like you don't want your kid hanging around with him. Right. More just like you sure you want to hang out with that shit ball? Yeah. That's he's, what, a, he's a little annoying. He's right? a little annoying. He's an obnoxious little shit, but not a troublemaker. You know? Right. And that's that's still me. You know, I'm just right. I don't have the energy now as an adult. I don't like aggression. I, you know, I like aggressive music, music. Right, right. But I don't like aggression between people. I don't like tension. I, I if, if if I have to argue a point more often than not, not that I won't, but more often than not, I'm more interested in. Just, all right, whatever. Right. We don't need to fight about this. I, I, I right. don't like arguing. Right. A healthy conversation debate is fine, but right. so yeah, that, that's that's been me. I'm, uh, as usual, I, I talk myself into no, no, no. Uh, that's different fine. Place. There's a, but that that's that's totally fine. I'm but not that, even sure where I am now. That's. Yeah. That, that and that's what I'm here for. <laughs> good, good. Hey, the um, no structure. No, exactly. But for me, no, no structure. You're yeah. just writing Shia Lute song yeah. right now. No, just kidding. Exactly. The, but then, um, I mean, obviously, it's like with Shia Lute, it's been you know, for all intent and purposes, it's like it's you know, your brainchild. You've definitely been the guiding force, glue, whatever you like to call it, sure. in order to advance it over the years. Sure. And uh, you're, I mean, and this is more so from an internal perspective, like as far as like internal, I say music industry wise, or like maybe just the, there's a reason where I obviously, like, you know, a lot of people have been in the band and oh, yeah. have left. And like you, 
you, I mean, you yourself admit that it's like, you know, you, you like to have as much control as you possibly can. That's, over, you know, that, that, that's a misconception. Right. I, I mean, that's, and that's why I want to talk to you about it because it's like people, you know, people have said in the past where it's just like, dude, Matt, like cool dude. He's really hard to work with because, you know, he's a control freak or whatever. It's just like, and, yeah. and, and people don't say that, at least I've never experienced it in a negative fashion where they're like, right. he's a fucking dick where it's just like no he expects a lot like out of you which, i do i do and and i have which I have, is which isn't bad because yeah, it's it, it's it'll leave me friendless <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll leave me lonely the rest of my life it, 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 it's funny because I, I i do have for myself and that's the thing it's not it's not just of you right it's of this guy too sure, to myself. Sure. uh i have unrealistically high standards okay why and I'm not saying that I know better. It's not yeah. that I know better or have other better, smarter ideas. For whatever reason, same reason I like Wasp instead of Michael Jackson. I just have unrealistically high standards, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to live up to them, and it's hard for other people to live up with them, live up to them, and it's hard for those people to do their be- whoever they are—singers, drummers, yeah, yeah. guitar players. It's hard. Don't think I don't realize this. Sure, it's hard for them. To give what they think is beyond their all and have me say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Be like, dude, I've literally yeah. bled over whatever tape we're recording on. You're like, yeah. Yeah, I think you do better. Whatever, you sure. know, whatever the case may be. It sucks. Yeah. I know how much that sucks. Sure, sure. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that position either. I don't – I am in that position. I have to deal with Matt Fox more than any of you, <laughs> you know? <It's, laughs> I, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Like, and I, I think it's interesting because it's like, no matter what, you, whatever reputation has preceded you from that perspective, yeah. it's never. Like I said, I never hear the words that backed up where it's like, it, it's from a negative place. You're just yeah. like, this is this is the way that he is, and not from like a bad standpoint. But I, it, I understand just, it. I, I always try to to um, clarify the disparity of. Um, being difficult and being demanding. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't... Anyone that listens to this that's know, that knows me, I guess is probably going to crack up. <laughs> but I, I I, truly... And I uh-huh. could be completely speaking in delusion here. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I don't think I'm difficult. Right. I, I, I don't think so. I, you know, I don't know if we should let laughter ensue now. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think I'm demanding. Uh-huh. And I think demanding can have its merits. Uh-huh. I also think it pushes a hell of a lot of people away. Sure. You know, I've got that experience. Sure. But difficult to me is, you know, to come up with a scenario is, hey, I think we should do that. No, I don't fucking think we should do that. I think that sucks. Right. That's difficult. That is difficult, right. Demanding is, I don't know if I like that. Right. Huh. I'm not into You really like that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, let's try something else. You know, sure. we tried 15 other things. Yeah, Let's try another 15. I think we got something. Yeah, Why don't yeah, you yeah. just spend the, the next 27 days sitting here with me overthinking and overanalyzing this one two-second part? We can do that, right? That's demanding. That is, that is demanding. No, I see what you're saying. And, and that's why when, when I get told that I'm difficult, you know, it doesn't piss me off. It hurts my feelings. But because sure. I don't think that I'm difficult. Right, right. If I'm talking with a rational person and we're going over something, you know, of course, sometimes people get heated. Right. I generally, not saying that I don't, I'm not saying that I don't initiate it sometimes. Right. But I think it's seldom. Uh-huh. Because I will talk to somebody, you know, they see black, I see white. Let's let's go over it a million times and mm-hmm. we can get it to where we're both happy. I'm always willing to do that. Right. 
Uh, but that's the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's... No, I, that's a very important distinction to make. And, like, and, and that's like what I was saying, because I, you know, forgot what I was saying. Uh, that's um, when, I, when, I, when somebody tells me that I'm difficult, or when they say, oh, I heard you're difficult. Right. It hurts. Sure. Because I, I don't, I don't want to be difficult. Right, right, right. Demanding, I, I don't even mind, as, as negative as it can be sometimes, I don't even mind that. Because I think if you are demanding, shit, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Steven Spielberg's pretty fucking demanding. You know what that's I mean? That's true, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm assuming... And there's a playwright that I like, um, Neil Simon, if you know who he is. He wrote The Odd Couple and okay, yeah. Brighton Beach Memoirs. Like a lot of stuff that people know and don't even realize they know. Right. But uh, he has a quote. He says, and I'm totally paraphrasing. Sure. But he says something like, you know, be good. The rest of the world is content with good enough. And that's a total paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I read that when I was in high school reading theater and stuff. Yeah. You know, and that makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't want to be good it, re- enough. it resonated. I don't want right. to be good enough. I want to be. I, I have the potential, even if I have to work a little harder. Mm. Because I think there are people, you know, bringing up Ronen, who's a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. When he was writing lyrics for our side band, Zombie Apocalypse, mm-hmm. I told him, I said, your lyrics are effortless. Like I read them, and it just, they you know, flow. They right. flow, and everything makes sense. And I, man, I wish I could write like that. And I know that I, I can write, but it's never, ever remotely effortless. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is, this is whatever finally gets committed to the liner notes of whatever Shilude record exists, <laughs> that it, it, it's painstakingly agonized over by yourself for yeah. probably more than you ever want to admit. Uh, well, or ever I, more time than I ever want to uh, dedicate to something. Dedicate. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I wish that things came a little easier to me, but they don't. I don't, you know, Shiloh, no, oh, an intellectual band, Matt Fox, that guy's smart. He's not smart. Right. I'm a, an ignoramus at best. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe an ignoramus with, with, I think, good taste. Right. You know, I can shit something out like anybody else. And right. I, the difference between me and somebody else, somebody else will say, yeah, here, take this shit. You know, and I'll say, that's a bunch of shit. <laughs> Give yeah. me a few minutes to clean that up. Right. You know, I know a little better. I, I shit out the same things as anyone else does. But I take the time, you know, and, and think I can do something with this. Right. Before I give somebody else a, a plate of my own. Right, right. Fecal, fecal matter. Am too much? You're, no, you're fine. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's, again, I have no idea where I was going with that. But, yeah. Ah. Yeah, no, no. I, this, I, that's because that, that's always been my perception. Just like the, there's a, there's a huge difference between demanding and difficult to work. Difficult to work with. Like realistically, you would not be where you're at right now. I guess so. Because it's like no one, no one would want to play with you. No yeah. one would like because it's like you're not you're not winning Grammys. Yeah. So and clearly working with Shia Lu, like that's that's it's a labor of love. It sure. is. It for is. Sure. And I think it's funny because what I've noticed as well, um, people people have, I mean, and I'm speaking more uh, to the quote-unquote kids. So it's like, you know, people that are younger that are, you know, getting into Shia Lu for whatever reason, for yeah. the, either first time, second time, whatever, yeah. that are, you know, under the age of like 25, we'll say. Mm-hmm. I see a very, uh, people are continually passionate about Shia Lu, even though you're not um, prolific. You yeah. put, I mean, you've put out a lot of records. No, not really. This I mean, a fourth in like 15 years. That's crazy. Right. It, and, but I mean, for, yeah, granted, comparatively speaking, I mean, for, yeah, I guess, 
for the track rate of what I'm personally used to in regards to Shy Lude, like the fact that you've put out as many things as you have, yeah, yeah. it's that's that's very good. <laughs> and so But certainly not prolific by any means. No, by compared to other bands, yes. I sure. would agree, I would agree with you. But the fact that you've put that you've put yourself out there for as, as as long as you have and the message of kind of the lyrically speaking, like the you know, the dark versus light, the sort of the yin and the yang, where it's like you are singing about how, you know, whatever, stereotypically speaking, how evil humanity is, but then sure. how there's obviously hope that can be, you know, derived from that, yeah, that course. you can be a good person. Um, it's just, it's really interesting to see that, like, you know, younger bands that have obviously been influenced by you guys that you tour with, you know, bands like whatever, like Hundreds, who you guys just, you know, recently sure. played some stuff with. Um, what, what do you think, you know, resonates with bands of that nature, that that sort of melodic hardcore thing, that should be over for all intent and purposes as far sure. as like the whole broad spectrum of independent music is concerned. Yeah. You know, what, what have you personally noticed that's like resonated with younger bands, younger fans, and the fact that people still, you know, plain and simple, give a shit about what you do. I don't know. You know what? Um, hmm. I don't know even if I'm, uh, I know you're, you're going to answer the right way, but here's sure. what, what's coming to mind anyway. Okay. Um, what I think is interesting is that, the people we're friends with, uh-huh. and, and we're friends with all sorts of different people. I mean, you know, to quote my friend Mike, you got the old drummer of Honor, current drummer of Madball. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Justin, you know, we were talking once, and he said, you know, we all know some unsavory, we all have some unsavory friends. You know, so I know some scary people right. that, you know, I don't hang out with on a regular basis, but when I see them, hey, man, how's it going? Right. But, I mean, you, you know me now, you know. I like to sit home. I like to play board games. I sure. like to talk about Woody Allen and Carl Sagan and, and Planet of the Apes. Right. I'm not hard. I'm not tough. I threw one punch my whole life. Right. I don't ever want to punch anyone ever. Right. You know, I want people to go crazy at shows. I don't want to see anyone swing their fist in anyone's face. Right. That's just contrary to my core as a human being. Right. And it just so happens that I'm in the hardcore. So the point that I was trying to make is my friends and I think the people that relate to Shy Hulud anyway uh-huh. are people like me. You know, the pe- some of my best friends and some of the longest running girlfriends that I've had, you know, uh-huh. as far as relationship, uh, romantic relationships, come from people liking Shy Hulud. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my best friends, uh, his name's Mark. Mark, if you're listening, yes, you're one of my best friends. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Mark. <laughs> his name's Mark Donovan. He's, and he's one of all of our best friends. Sure. Uh, He's a, a great guy. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's you're, okay. you're a piece of shit, really. <laughs> but, uh, but but the truth is, he you know where, well, who was he? What was he? He was a guy that came out to Shy Lou show, shows, and you know, and we we just we like that guy. Yeah, you know, he's probably like us, right? You know, and then we see him at the mall because we lived in Poughkeepsie. Okay, and, and uh, you know, Lord of the Rings is coming out. Oh yeah, you guys interested in that? Yeah, let's go see it. You know, and we became friends because we had things in common. And I think as far as, you know, musically, personally, lyrically, right. I think it might all be, not always, not always, because mm-hmm. I know some really scary, tough guys that, you know, I, I, we have nothing in common and we both recognize that, but they are like, yo, I love you, I love you fucking band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But sure. we realize that what we want to do on the weekends is right. totally different. Yeah, like, we are not doing the same thing. You right. know? Right. So, it's, like I said, it's not exclusively, but I, I think a lot of the appeal... Two, I don't know if it's just in Shiloh, but I, I mean, what do they call it? Birds of a flat, a birds of a feather. Right. You know what I mean? The people that like our band have become friends. The guys in Hundredth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they always love their band, and I, I guess you can hear it in the music. I mean, 
shit. You could also say that you hear Turning Point in music who came of out course. you know before us. So right. who knows if it's really Shailu that they're influenced by? Right. Uh, but yeah, my point is, same types of people. They don't want to hurt anybody. They want to hang out and talk and eat dinner and be goofy and you know what I mean. Right. And and that's me. Com- common goals. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. So and I think I think a lot of people that relate to to Halud lyrically are those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Musically, not so much, because that can go, you know what I mean? Sure. Who's to say? It runs the gamut. Why should some tiny, scrawny little Jew love Vader or love, you know, Napalm Death? There's no reason for it. Right. So who, who's to say, you know, that's, you know, big, angry, tough guy, for some reason, loves Shadow Loot? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Musically, not so much, but I think lyrically and personality, the personality that we put out, even though the personality is kind of stolen, I remember, this is a, a side note. Sure. Um, I love the band SFA. Okay. We even covered Gyroscope uh, back in the day. And I remember looking at their album cover, and their whole thing was pure hate. You know, hate this, hate that, hate this. And you read the liner notes, and they're just fucking hilarious. <laughs> right. You know, and I remember thinking, you know, and being still young, maybe 20, 21, maybe even younger, mm-hmm. reading the liner notes, just thinking, these guys have a great, I love the demeanor. You know, hate, angry, you know, fuck you, fuck this, and... You know, but they've got their finger in their nose the whole time. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's my personality in general. Sure. But we definitely, I don't know that if I'd ever heard SFA or read their liner notes that I would have taken that approach with Shailu. Sure. But when, when Shailu was forming and doing stuff, I remember thinking, like, yeah, I want to kind of do that, like SFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that's interesting because, yeah, that's what you've always had, especially from a live perspective. It's like you've always had a very positive, upbeat, and fun vibe like yeah you know. because the band is not right right right, <laughs> you know, right. the band is not fun sure. at all you know and, and sure. it's, it's fun i mean the music i mean it depends well i guess it depends on your perspective of fun for me you know watching uh woody allen's crimes and misdemeanors is fun because i'm engrossed and i'm totally thinking he's going into all of these philosophies about life and murder and you know it's like this is fun to me because wow i'm totally engaged right some other people fun is super bad Sure. I'd rather slip my own throat right. than watch Superbad. <laughs> never seen it. Maybe the funniest movie I've never seen. Not interested. Not interested. You know what I mean? So it depends on what your what your type of fun is. But Hulud, as objectively speaking, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Zombie Apocalypse is fun. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's fun. It's fast and it's serious, but it's fun. It's quirky. Right. You know, I, I don't think that there's anything necessarily fun about, about Hulud. So uh, I, I do find that, that it's important so you don't want to get on stage, you know, hello, no, we are Shagaloo. You know, and they yeah. give these horribly, horrible, horribly spoken, inarticulate speeches on that, like, you know, well, like, people, like, suck. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not articulate. I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't discuss. I, I would rather get up there and, you know, generally I'm a happy, optimistic person. Again, laughter ensues across right. the land. But, um... <laughs> It's true, I am. Yeah. And, and I don't want to get on stage and, and just be you yeah. know, profound. Mor- morose. Morose and, yeah. and, and profound hatred of man. Right. You know what I mean? Like the mu- Let the music be what it is. Right. And let's have a good attitude about it. I'm not saying, you know, go up with rubber chickens or anything and put on a right. comedy show. Right. But, you know, an energetic live show that, where the band takes itself seriously, but the people do not. You know what I mean? Sure. Where it's like, I can hang out with that guy. Right, right, right. You yeah, you've, I mean, you've always been, and especially like now that obviously like social networks are per- pervasive and it's like, you know, you have fun with your Twitter account. Yeah, like, and it, it's Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you're definitely self-deprecating, 
And maybe some would argue almost to a fault because people are like, oh, this guy take himself seriously. But yeah, you do because it's like, you know, you are interacting with people. But it's just, it's cool because it's like, you know, people that have obviously come up pre-internet and, you know, before this all existed are sometimes a little more dodgy to kind of roll with the, I mean, not trends musically, but just like, you know being comfortable to be like, oh, this is what Twitter is. Yeah. And I, this is fun for me. Sure. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's cool because it's like you've, over your duration in independent music, you've always been able to, you know, ad- at least from the outsider's perspective, been able to like adapt and change and still remain relevant, but not lose the core of what the band has always kind of been, you know? Cool, man. I, <laughs> as yeah. I see it, it's just me or, yeah. or Fletcher and I who've, you know, been in the band Fletcher wasn't an original, but he's been in the band for over 10 years. Right. You know, we're just being us. Right. I, I don't know how to be anything else. Right. You're like, this This isn't part of the Shia Lude 30-page marketing. Yeah, plan. you know, I, I just, I don't know how to be anything else. You know, and, and sometimes Fletcher tends to want to take things in the band a little more seriously than I do. He's, he's criticized me, um, you know, and, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. a few times. Because on stage, you know, afterwards we'll get off and he'll say, you know... Does it have to be a fucking Smothers Brothers routine? <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. You know, because we've had a, a couple different guys in the band that are more like me. Fletcher want, Fletcher's goal, he wants to get on stage and kick ass, keep it lighthearted, right. really punch in the face, metaphorically, sure, <clears throat> and leave an impact. And right. I want to do that too. I tend to want to have my tongue in cheek a little bit more than sure. he does. So, you know, he'll, he'll say to me, like I said, does it have to be like that? You know? Mm-hmm. You can, if you want to make a joke here and there, I just don't want it to be a comedy routine. Right. And it's funny because I, I understand where he's coming from. You know, um, uh, I, I filled in and never joined the band, but I filled in for Marauder. Right. And, you know, the outside perspective of Marauder is like, holy shit, you know, yeah. tough, scary, real deal things. Yep. And on stage, Jorge is just lighthearted and fun. <laughs> he kissed me on stage. He goes, yo, this is Fonzie over here. Everybody say hello to Fonzie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Which is an extreme compliment. Yeah, yeah like, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take yeah. it. Hell yeah. So, but it's funny because I was thinking, man, I wonder if I was seeing because the first time I ever saw Marauder, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, was the first shows that I, you know, I played with him. So I was just wondering, like, man, if I had seen Marauder, you know, especially maybe in the '90s or early 2000s, and I want to scream along the Master Killer, right? And he's, you know, just being lighthearted and funny. I wonder how I would have taken that, right? You know, and, and, and along those, I know I'm just kind of no, 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 I, I, consciousness here. Yeah, it's fine. But along those lines, I, I, I understand the difference and I agree with Fletcher. I tend to move a little more in the other direction sometimes, but I try to keep it so it is, so Shailud isn't just like, you know, yeah. like, we're going to go see your Shailud's tonight. They're going to be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, I don't want that. Sure. I sure. want it to be impactful or impactive. I don't think impactful is a word. Right. Uh, so I, I yeah, how articulate I am. So I, um, <laughs> We had a guitar player who's, you know, he's a real happy-go-lucky, mm. sweetest guy, always smiling when he played music. And he's the kind of guy that when I showed him a part, he goes, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> not exactly the personality that we want to put forth in, in Hulud. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be happy, but, you know, we're screaming a proud nature of man. And that's kind of the story I wanted to tell. We, we watched back a video and we're, you know, Fletcher and I are in everybody's face, whoever's singing at the time, I don't know. yeah. Is in everyone's face, you know, just sure. screaming, you know, pissed off. Right. On a side note, 
when Mark, my friend I was telling you about, when any of my friends are up front singing and they're trying to get the same experience, they want to sing, you know, these lyrics, right. I crack up. Because, you know, they know me. We know each other. Right. You know, right. and I, I just can't scream a profound hatred of man at, like, one of my good friends who's, who's seen me naked. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I try. Right. I always try it, but right. I, I... I try to remove myself from the situation I mentally. Always, yeah. I always try and keep it, you know, yeah, profound hatred of man, but I, I usually start like this, you know, like, you know, ah, <laughs> You know, and, yeah, yeah. And I lose it, it because apart. It's, it's my friend. Sure, sure. So, but anyway, outside of that, we watched this video and we saw our guitar player at the time uh, uh, on Profound Hatred of Man going like side to side, huge grin, jumping around, right, having a blast. But man, watching the video, it didn't gel sure. for me. Yeah, you know? it didn't. You know, it didn't feel right. You know, and I and I I told him I said you know I said hey man we we gotta we got to toughen you up on this part a little bit. Right. And he says, uh, I'm very happy playing this music. Is it wrong to smile? I said, no, it's not wrong to smile. But there's somebody out there, whoever he or she is, that read these lyrics and said, that's me. I'm going to this show and I'm going to get out everything mm-hmm. in that one line. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm going to do it with those guys. Like saying like when I finally saw Burn and I'm right up front you know, ready to get it all out. Yeah. And if the guy had his finger in his nose the whole time, you know, metaphorically, right. I'd say, fuck. Yeah. So I told the guy and I explained it to him. I said, watch the video. And he understood. He says, we definitely have to sell that profound hatred. Not for any reason, not for tough reasons, not for marketing reasons. Right. Only because there's someone out there that listens to that song and they don't hear jokes. There's no jokes in that song. Sure. So when we're performing that, we need to put all the goofiness aside and sell that profound hatred and kind of harken back, no pun intended, yes. uh, you know, go back to where we were when we wrote it or when we felt it initially <clears throat> so we could help deliver that right. to give the people that want to be a part of it that emotion that they were looking for. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> where was I coming from? Where was I going with this? I don't know. Um, how people relate, I think they relate to the music, mm-hmm. the sincerity, and the fact that it's all birds of a feather. Because I think you can read, not necessarily listen to the music, but you could read the liner notes like we were saying. Uh-huh. And just say, these guys seem okay. Right. You know, they hate everything, but... Yeah. There's something else. I, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a feeling I could go to dinner with these guys and have a good time. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, that, and that's the truth. Except for Fletcher, because he doesn't like to go to dinner. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I quote him when I say, we want to put this on the back of the shirt. I quote him. Direct quote. Okay. Fuck your good time. That that is a direct quote. That is a direct quote, and which will make it on the back of the T-shirt one day. Shot who? Fuck your good time. Mad mad pleasure. That's amazing. So yeah. Well, I I can't thank you enough for wanting to hang out, and obviously this this was. uh, Is it over already? I know we could we could probably go on for like seven hours or so, but uh, yeah, you know we we got to keep it reasonable. Sure, sure. Thank you very much, Matt. This was extremely fun, and I hope you enjoyed it in some way. Fun. Shiloh, anything regarding Shiloh, fun. That's like, you know, minds are blown right now. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Much appreciated. You're welcome.